This is episode number 17 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Jesse Mundell and Anita Lambert. And today we want to discuss the topic of hormones because we get so many questions about how hormone changes affect how we feel after birth as well as later in life. And so we're so excited to have Dr. Mariska Taylor return to the podcast as an expert on this topic. In case you missed our previous chat with Mariska, check out episode 11, where she shared her expertise on how MDs can help moms of any age and how stress and adrenal fatigue can affect how we feel day to day. So Dr. Mariska Taylor is a licensed naturopathic doctor and green kitchen goddess dedicated to helping women love, heal, shine. Her signature approach to health and wellness begins with empowering women to truly love themselves because when they do, they radicalize the way they care for themselves, mind, body, and spirit, and they authentically show up in their lives living their truth. Dr. Taylor works with women online, in person, and through wellness retreats. She walks her talk and is currently pursuing her dreams while living in beautiful Turks and Caicos with her husband and four-year-old son. Visit her website, drmariskataylor.com, to learn more about her, her work, and grab her free Love, Heal, Shine Kickstart Guide, empowering you with everything you need to get started on your Love, Heal, Shine journey. So welcome, Mariska. We're so excited to have you back. Thanks for having me, ladies. And so we thought we would jump right in with what I think a lot of listeners are wondering is when we talk about hormones, what are we actually talking about? If you can explain that. Yeah, because, I mean, there's so much out there about hormones, and you always hear about balancing your hormones, or your hormones are out of whack, and yeah, so let's chat about what that actually is. So hormones are chemical messengers in the body um, that are mostly produced and secreted by our endocrine system, which is basically a group of organs or glands um, in our bodies that include our hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, the thyroid, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard things about the parathyroid, your adrenals, uh, your pancreas, your ovaries, your pineal gland, the thymus, and even fat cells, actually. Um, There's also other organs in the body, like your heart, your lungs, your brain, your liver, and even um, your placenta uh, when you're pregnant uh, that produce hormones. So hormones have, basically, they impact how your body functions on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute basis and have an enormous impact on our health throughout our life. We hear a lot about hormone imbalance, especially in the realm of postpartum health. What are some of the major things that can cause our hormones to go out of whack? Um, Hormone imbalance is actually, it can be natural and normal, uh, and then it can be more pathological. So some hormonal imbalances occur naturally in life, like with puberty or birth, um, which we'll get into in a minute. 
also perimenopause or menopause itself um, and pregnancy. Those are definitely times in our lives where our hormones can fluctuate naturally. Um, but then there's also, you know, times where our hormones are imbalanced due to, you know, maybe something that's happened in our life, like lifestyle choices or hardcore stress uh, can cause that to happen. Um, also lack of exercise, not eating properly, the birth control pill can cause our hormones to go out of whack, um, being overweight, issues with blood sugar, uh, and then things like autoimmune disease, like Addison's or hypo, um, Hashimoto's that can cause hypothyroid or Graves, which causes hyperthyroid. Um, there's lots of different things that can cause hormonal imbalance. And just to follow up to that, when we actually say hormonal imbalance, what does that mean? So it means that on a regular basis, like if you were to take um, your average adult woman who's, say, you know, 32 years old, she would be expected to have a regular uh, menstrual cycle and her hormones would have a certain rhythm, like a certain cycle, like progesterone is, you know, going to be a certain reference range, like it's going to fall within, like her levels of progesterone should be between this and this, or estrogen should be within this and this. And you know, she's going to have follicle-stimulating hormone or her cortisol levels should be low. And when we say imbalance, it means those hormones go out of the range of what would be considered um, medically normal. Like within that normal range, they go out of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you. And I know I get a lot of clients asking me about hormones and kind of different ways that you can balance them. And I always defer to either their care provider or to a natural path like yourself. And so I think a lot of clients now are wondering too, are there natural ways to actually balance these hormones? So that'd be great to hear from you in terms, is there a natural way to do it? And what does this actually mean to naturally balance our hormones? Yeah. Um, so the good news is, is there are lots of ways to naturally balance your hormones. You can definitely do it. Um, it doesn't mean there's a magic pill that can do it overnight necessarily, but um, definitely there are things, I mean, I do it all the time with, with my patients. So it's really looking again at the individual and, and I rely a lot on laboratory testing to look at what those hormone levels are and, you know, do they fall within the reference range, like within the normal range. And sometimes they can, like with thyroid, they may still be within the normal range, but the patient may be, still be exhibiting low thyroid symptoms, like hypothyroid symptoms or hyperthyroid symptoms. So um, basically it's looking at your life and what's going on and, you know, have you just had a baby or are you going through perimenopause and, and how can we work with you um, on a natural, in a natural way, like using botanicals or acupuncture or things like that to help balance the hormones. We can get into, I think, Later on, we're going to chat a bit about supplements and some of my favorite ways to do that. But um, there's lots of ways to balance your hormones using natural methods. I think something really interesting you said was talking about times in our life when hormones are naturally out of balance because I feel like there's so much fear surrounding hormones being imbalanced. But I love that you mentioned this can really be a normal and natural occurrence for specific times in our life. So can you explain what that means and what you think is important for all pregnant or new moms to know out there about those time periods specifically regarding our hormonal levels. You know, one of the biggest examples of um, a time in our lives where our hormones are naturally out of balance is when you're pregnant. <laughs> so it's a time where you're progesterone dominant, um, as some people would say. So 
essentially when you get pregnant, you stop having your menstrual cycle and you're growing a baby in your uterus. And therefore, you know, FSH, which is follicle stimulating hormone, is no longer being secreted. And that's a hormone that's really dominant in the first half of a woman's menstrual cycle. Um, given its name, follicle stimulating hormone, so it stimulates the maturation of, of our eggs and uh, so that we can ovulate mid-cycle. And so obviously that's not needed. So that natural rhythm of a menstrual cycle ceases and you're pregnant. And uh, your placenta in pregnancy secretes a hundred times more progesterone than when you're not pregnant. So that's like a perfect example of a natural hormonal imbalance where it's way out of whack, but for a very normal, natural reason. Um, and estrogen is also dominant in pregnancy. So um, yeah, so those two hormones kind of rule pregnancy. And then after a woman gives birth, what a lot of people don't know is, you know, those levels of progesterone and, and estrogen like drastically decline. And you enter what we call the fourth trimester, and that's ruled by prolactin and oxytocin, which are two other hormones. And um, can we get into that a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> so, so pro, so the fourth trimester, as we like to call it, you know, we've just given birth. It's the first three months after you've given birth, and uh, like I just said, you know, prolactin and oxytocin kind of rule that, and prolactin um, does exactly what it says it's pro-lactation so pro-lactin pro-lactation um it's the hormone that causes women to lactate and uh that can you know kind of opens up a can of worms with a lot of women thinking that um you know prolactin is a form of birth control which we can talk about in a minute <laughs> but prolactin obviously is necessary if you want to breastfeed and then um oxytocin which is our, you know, feel-good bonding hormone, which is necessary for us to have a strong bond and, you know, that mama bear to get that feeling of nesting and, and protecting her infant. So, yeah, so those two hormones rule the fourth trimester and still follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, and luteinizing hormone, which is um, LH, and that's luteinizing hormone helps us ovulate as well. Those two hormones are now non-existent as well. And they kind of start to increase as time goes on and as baby gets older. Um, but again, that's would be considered another natural time that your hormones are out of whack because you have prolactin and oxytocin kind of running the show. And then those gradually decline. And uh, women will get their periods back and then, you know, cease breastfeeding and, and then get their cycle back. Um, so to go along with that question, um, I often get asked by new moms, and I was curious myself, but you are my naturopath, so I could mm -hmm. just ask you at the time. Yeah. Um, when is a good time to start talking to a naturopath about balancing your hormones after birth? So whether you're nursing or not, is there a good time? Because you were saying it's natural for them not to be balanced. Mm -hmm. When would be a good time to start looking into helping them get balanced? So I think just looking at postpartum in general, um, you know, a lot of women, a great time to see a naturopath is actually <laughs> before, well, any time really, <laughs> but uh, especially after you've given birth, um, just to kind of check in because obviously postpartum depression can be a huge factor for many women and hormonal fluctuations can affect that most definitely. 
And there's other hormones at play other than prolactin and oxytocin. You have neurotransmitters and things like that. And so postpartum can be such a confusing time for women because, A, if, you've, if, if it's your first child, you've never experienced it before, and you don't know, like, is this normal? Am I supposed to feel like I want to cry for no reason? Or, or maybe you feel amazing. Um, so every woman has a different experience. And so I think it's worthwhile to see a naturopathic doctor just for them to explain what that fourth trimester or what postpartum is, you know, supposed to look like or what can it look like and and are is what you're experiencing normal um because maybe it's not like a lot of women after giving birth their thyroid goes crazy um or you know if they had an autoimmune condition beforehand sometimes it, it will come back um and if that thyroid uh condition is autoimmune in nature that can you know cause a bit of a storm for some women or um yeah or some women get their periods back you know, really early after giving birth, and then others don't. And they think that, oh, is that because my hormones are imbalanced? Well, it could just be because you have very high levels of prolactin still in your body, especially if you have a night weaned your baby. Um, so I think just the important thing is to educate yourself. So seeing a naturopathic doctor so that they can help you understand what's happening for you and your body, and if that's, you know, within the normal range or if there is cause for concern, because um, there are interventions that we can take during that time. But it, it's such an individual thing. Going back to early postpartum, how you were mentioning that post-birth, those levels of estrogen and progesterone will decline rapidly. And of course, to make way for prolactin and oxytocin, is there anything that we can do or want to do to support estrogen and progesterone in that time or not mess with it too much? So as a naturopathic doctor, I truly believe that the body has an innate intelligence and it knows exactly what it's doing. And birth is a natural life event. And so my first instinct is to say, just let the body do what it needs to do. Um, because if you think about it, your, your body's producing 100 times more progesterone when pregnant than when you're not pregnant. And the main reason for that is... Um, your placenta. So after you give birth, your placenta is removed. Um, it, you give birth to your placenta as well. So there goes the, the progesterone making factory, right? There's still other glands in your body that are producing progesterone, like your ovaries and your adrenals. However, it's not to the same extent. So that huge drop is going to cause a lot of, um, it can cause some emotional upheaval for some women. And that's natural. I think, again, it goes back to educating women and coaching women through that time so that they know what to expect. So they're like, okay, I know that I'm naturally going through this hormonal imbalance and this fluctuation because that's what my body is geared to do. That is part of this transition from the third trimester to fourth trimester. Um, and if I need support, I can you know, talk to someone about it. And if there is a problem, there are interventions. But I've never intervened um, to try to balance like progesterone and estrogen at this point, at that point, at such an early stage. It's usually later on because the body's still like you're still in such flux and you're still like figuring things out. Going with that, because it's great to hear more about progesterone because I feel like it's sometimes talked about, but I feel like estrogen, when I ask a client about hormones, estrogen is the first one they think of. So We've heard of the term estrogen dominance quite a lot. So can you explain what that actually means? 
Yeah, so usually when people are talking about estrogen dominance, they're meaning that there is more estrogen relative to progesterone. So it's not just like that you're walking around full of estrogen. It's like actually relative to progesterone. And to understand estrogen dominance is to kind of understand how you make other steroid hormones. So progesterone is a precursor hormone, meaning um, your body takes cholesterol and makes progesterone. And then it takes progesterone and makes testosterone. And then it takes testosterone and makes estrogen. And you can also, um, so that just to kind of even understand that, so all these hormones affect one another. And then, you know, before when we were talking about stress, you can see how if you're producing high amounts of cortisol, your body makes cortisol from progesterone. So they're all interrelated. And, um, and estrogen and progesterone are very closely related because they're both uh, two female sex hormones. And so when people are talking about estrogen dominance, they're talking about too much estrogen relative to progesterone um, and how that basically shows up and, and the, the symptoms that show up uh, within the female system. So decreased sex drive is one, abnormal periods, bloating, breast tenderness, breast swelling, fibrocystic breasts, weight gain, mood swings, hair loss, thyroid dysfunction, because there's a huge connection between the adrenals, the thyroid, and the ovaries, um, you know, brain fog, memory loss, fatigue, trouble sleeping, um, PMS. So there's lots of different symptoms of estrogen dominance and uh, also lots of ways that we can, can correct it. You mentioned sex drive in there. Can we dive into that a little bit more? Because this is a common yeah. conversation that comes up with my clients, specifically postpartum, having conversations around decreased sex drive, decreased libido. Should we mm. want to? How can we increase that? And also, this is a very layered conversation, but what might yeah. cause that to decline? Yeah, so a lot of women don't know, but sex drive, um, lower libido, postpartum, is totally normal. And the reason why is because prolactin inhibits testosterone. So if testosterone is your main sex hormone, like the one that causes like sex drive, and prolactin um, is increased postpartum, and it directly <laughs> is opposed to testosterone, that's why. That's why you don't feel like having sex, because your testosterone is decreased. So it's a totally normal way <laughs> to... Uh, to feel after postpartum is a decreased libido. I think that's so helpful for people to hear and really yeah. to normalize that experience for them. And yeah, and not just testosterone because prolactin can also decrease the levels of DHEA, which is a precursor hormone to testosterone. So not only are you decreasing, you know, testosterone, you're you're decreasing the very thing that is used to make it in the body. And then as you were saying, after that fourth trimester, those hormone levels will start to balance out a little bit in terms of estrogen, progesterone, prolactin, oxytocin. So for some people, will then that sex drive, that libido start to ramp back up again? Yeah, it'll start to come back. But really, sex drive, like just in general, there's so many different things that can decrease it. So for example, prolactin and postpartum, but also the birth control pill. I don't like many women don't know that the birth control pill inhibits testosterone 
And so that dis and it also disrupts the sex hormone binding globulin. So um, that's one of the transporters that's used to help to, um, you know our sex hormones in our body. So the birth control pill disrupts that. So it can also lead to low libido. So say you have you know just given birth, you're still weaning your baby, but you go back on the pill. Um, you know because uh, you've gotten your period back, you go back on the pill, and then you wonder why you don't feel like having sex. Well, because, you know, you've just been postpartum, but then you're also on the birth control pill, which is lowering your testosterone, which is affecting your sex drive. So that's a surprising connection for a lot of women. Um, but, it, you know, prolactin is also uh, a factor in menopause, because a lot of women, in, you know, who are experiencing menopause will talk about low libido, and what a lot of people don't know that as we age, uh, in prolactin increases, which again um, is a factor for decreasing libido in menopausal years. Um, so there's the connection there as well. And then you add in um, decreasing estrogen, which can lead to vaginal dryness, and and then you know you wonder why women don't feel like having sex <laughs> because you know they just don't feel it, and then also they're experiencing you know vaginal dryness. So they're like, well, why would I want to do that? And um, I thought it was interesting, even going back to what you said about the birth control pill. Um, oh. I'm curious if you can explain, and I know for every naturopathic doctor and every medical doctor, it's going to be different. Um, but what would, what would be some of the differences of if someone came to you to balance their hormones versus going to their general practitioner, like in terms of, yeah, different methods of balancing out. Because I hear a lot of women, if they go to their general practitioner, usually it's the birth control mm -hmm. uh, pill. Yeah. Whereas what would be all the, yeah, I guess different options, just so people know maybe they want to go to a naturopath or do they prefer to go to their GP? Yeah. So um, from my experience, uh, patients that have come to me after seeing a GP who, you know, has uh, helped them to try to balance their hormones, it has been the birth control pill. And they'll go through, you know, whether it's a low estrogen birth control pill or, you know, more like, like all the different types, because not one is the same. They all have different, like varying amounts of estrogen and progesterone. So if they have, you know, something like PCOS, like polycystic ovarian syndrome, or any type of, you know, maybe heavy periods or acne, and they're told they need to balance their hormones, they're being put on the pill. And from my understanding, that's one of the very few, if the only, tool that a lot of GPs have um, to do that. So, um, but as a naturopathic doctor, uh, I don't use the birth control pill for that. Some naturopathic doctors will use bioidentical hormones, which are hormones that are just that. They're bio, like they're identical to the hormones that are in our own bodies. Um, so, Usually that's used later on in life um, in menopause or perimenopause. Some of the herbs that I love to use to help balance hormones are uh, blue and black cohosh. They're great, especially um, for women who are going through perimenopause and menopause. Um, tribulus, chase tree, um, licorice. There's all kinds of them. It really just depends on what's going on. Uh, you know, like if, if it's in this, uh, something like estrogen dominance, you can use a lot of food, things like, you know, broccoli that's high, like cruciferous vegetables that are high in indole-3-carbinol and DIM, which are two things that the body uses to help excrete um, estrogen metabolites. So that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand is that estrogen is an endpoint hormone and the body has to get rid of it. 
And one of the things that can lead to estrogen dominance is sluggish bowel. So if you aren't pooping on a regular basis, um, that's one of the ways that the body gets rid of the byproducts once it's done with the hormone and it metabolizes it. And if it stays, those byproducts stay in the bowels, you can get what's called a hepato reuptake. So your body will pick it on back up and pull it back in the body. And so that's pretty gross, right? <laughs> so it's really important that we're supporting our livers uh, to help metabolize these hormones and to help get them, flush them out of our bodies through healthy bowels. So that's one of the ways that, you know, your your gut and your liver are tied to your endocrine system and your hormone function. So just, you know, healthy diet with lots of fruits and vegetables and um, lots of herbs. Acupuncture is another amazing way to help balance uh, hormones and balance the whole female reproductive system. And then, like I mentioned, bioidentical hormones can be used too. Ooh, and how relevant to what you said about bowel health to the postpartum period and pelvic health function too. That's fascinating. Oh, yeah. Okay. Back to libido. Can you talk a bit more about, then say, the difference in libido and pregnancy and why that can really ramp up for people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so if you think about it, uh, prolactin levels are at, like very, 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 very low. And progesterone is through the roof. And estrogen is so high as well. Um, which means that, you know, come on, let's get it on. Like those, those you know, are part of your sex hormones. So, um, and testosterone is free reign. So a lot of women will ex- feel hormonally amazing during pregnancy and, you know, everything's ready to go down there. It's nice and moist and they're feeling great and their husbands are turned on by their bodies. Um, I think there's something innate with men and, you know, knowing, especially when it's their partner, um, and so, yeah, a lot of women will experience a huge surge in sex drive, uh, during pregnancy, which again is totally due to hormones and very normal. And I also think, um, it creates, you know, at a very instinctual level, it creates bonding between the partners, right? And, uh, this sense of, you know, the woman being turned on and, and being with the partner and the partner feeling protection over and watching over and keeping them safe. And this conversation of increased libido experienced during pregnancy, or even when we're speaking about decreased libido during postpartum, which can be, again, a normal experience as well. We're not only speaking about sex or intercourse between partners or sex or intercourse that is penile, vaginal in nature. There are so many realms to be talked about in this topic. And also you could be experiencing this ramp of sensuality or sexuality in your own body, experiencing this within your own self too. Going to, you kind of briefly mentioned, and I know we have a lot of listeners who are curious about this, is you mentioned perimenopause and menopause being times that we naturally have an imbalance in our hormones. So can Mm -hmm. you explain a bit more what that means and what really is the difference between perimenopause and menopause? Yeah, so perimenopause essentially is when you start to see changes in your regular cycle. Um, You're starting to enter into menopause. So you start to see some women will experience, you know, their periods will become irregular. Sometimes it's really heavy. They get lighter. Um, Some may experience some hot flashes. It, It really is a time of upheaval and natural 
hormonal imbalance. So um, some women describe it as one hell of a ride, like it's up and down and you don't know, like you'll go six months, you don't have a period and then you finally get it again or it's just kind of different and crazy for each woman. And then, and, and some people don't really experience anything at all. They'll just kind of smooth sail right on into menopause. So in perimenopause, you still have a period. It can be irregular. And then in menopause, you cease to have a menstrual cycle. And that's all due to decreasing levels of estrogen in the body. To go with that, I'm wondering from your experience, if you have if you see with clients, if they have more balanced hormones going into perimenopause and menopause, do they have a smoother transition? Or does that not factor at all, just because there's going to be change happening anyways? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I see a lot of uh, perimenopausal and menopausal women in my practice, and everyone experiences menopause and perimenopause differently. You know, for some women... um, you know, they'll experience it more on the hot flashes type of side. Like, you know, they'll have, they'll have, they'll just, that'll be kind of the only thing that they experience. Like their period is, as in flow. Yes, it, it changes and it, you know, it starts to become further and further. The periods become further and further apart. Um, it gets lighter and then one day it just stops, but they have like a crazy time with hot flashes. Um, other women, it'll be the other thing. They'll, you know, feel like they're hemorrhaging <laughs> at different points and, you know, and no, have no hot flashes at all. So, or other women will experience vaginal dryness and someone won't. So again, I think it's an individual thing. Um, and whether or not you've, like, if you had a regular cycle throughout your whole life it, and no issues, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to experience any discomfort going through perimenopause or menopause. What I will say though, is that Menopause and perimenopause are natural, again, natural hormone imbalances. It's it's like they're natural processes that we go through. And the symptoms of them, I don't even like calling them symptoms, but some of the discomfort that we feel, like hot flashes and irregular periods, um, they're not considered pathological. Like It's just considered a natural part of life until it's so uncomfortable that you need help alleviating it. And there's lots that you can do to alleviate it. So I don't think that it's a question of, well, if I'm, you know, hormonally healthy throughout my life, does that mean I'm going to have an easy time through menopause? I don't know. Um, I would assume that maybe, maybe so. But um, keeping in mind that hot flashes and irregular periods are kind of a normal part of that process. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is there another question that comes up is like, is there a normal, quote unquote, normal range for perimenopause and menopause, I have some, well, family members or clients saying like, I feel like I went through menopause for like 10 years and other mm-hmm. people were, like one year and it was done. So is there really a normal range or no? It's so individual because I like, again, I have patients who've been going through perimenopause, some of them for like four years and then, you know, and then others just all of a sudden their period stops. And so it is such an individual thing. And I think, but that's the beauty of naturopathic medicine because we can help on an individual level. And so looking at, like I have some patients who can manage their symptoms just by whether or not they drink wine. Like that sounds so so <laughs> silly, but you know, um, one I'm thinking of one woman in particular, she's kind of sailing through menopause, um, but when or perimenopause, but when she drinks wine, her hot flashes go like through the roof. So again, it, it 
that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with her hormones per se. Um, like her hormonal balance coming into perimenopause, it has to do with lifestyle factors. Mm, so interesting. You mentioned previously in the episode about using lab testing as a starting point in terms of your treatment and again, working at the individual level with a patient. In terms of lab testing postpartum and specifically looking at the thyroid, I know a lot of my clients have asked for blood work to be done by their GP. They send them off, they come back, they say, your FSH levels are normal, you're fine, your thyroid is functioning well. Why is this so far from being the whole story or the whole truth, specifically when we look at thyroid health? Mm-hmm. So I encourage all of my patients, if I can be lucky enough to see them before they get pregnant, to have um, their hormones tested before. And that way you have a starting point. So have your TSH, sorry, your TSH, your thyroid stimulating hormone, have that tested before you get pregnant. Have your estrogen and your progesterone and your FSH and your LH, have everything tested. Um, and we can do that privately. Um, as a naturopathic doctor, I can give a requisition to have that done. Afterwards, Again, keeping in mind that there's such a huge connection between the ovaries, the adrenal glands, and the thyroid, a lot of women will find that they're subclinical hypothyroid after pregnancy. Um, And I think, you know, when it comes to thyroid health after pregnancy, part of it, again, going into that, like, talking about that fourth trimester time, I think it's important to let the body do what it's going to do for a little bit. But if a woman finds that she's continually feeling sluggish, that the weight just won't come off, it's important to, you know, see someone. It's important to have all those tests and everything done before. Because after pregnancy, as your body, because you're a new person after you give birth, right? Your body is is not the same as it was before. And uh, your thyroid has been, you know, act, it's very different during pregnancy. Your ovaries, like everything is different. And so to expect everything just to go back to normal uh, right away, a lot of women have that expectation of themselves. And I feel like that's quite sad because that's not what happens. Um, it can go back for a lot of people, but for others, it takes some time. And also depending on those first few months and how stressful they are, stress has a massive impact on the thyroid. So if you are a new mom and you're finding it very stressful um, and stress hormone has an effect both on your sex hormones and your thyroid, well, we can't expect those organs just to bounce back and those hormone levels to bounce back um, and not take a hit. So I think thyroid health after pregnancy um, is very important. And I think someone like a naturopathic doctor um, can help you sort that out to see if there is an issue and how you might be able to support your thyroid. And that doesn't mean taking drugs. There's lots of things that you can do naturally to support your thyroid. And keep in mind that you can have your TSH tested and it come back within normal range, but you can still be showing hypothyroid symptoms or hyperthyroid symptoms. So I think it's really important to meet with a naturopathic doctor, talk with them, and look at you as a whole, as an individual, and say, is there a problem here and how can I support my thyroid gland, how can I support my entire endocrine system um, during this time of flux postpartum so that I can, you know, feel like myself again. Other than TSH specifically as a marker on lab testing, what else might we want to be looking at for those thyroid markers on lab tests? The first thing I would test with thyroid is beyond TSH is to do a thyroid panel. 
And then if there were any, um, you know, anything indicating that I should investigate further, I would look at, you know, um, TPO or thyroid peroxidase antibody um, or thyroid stimulating immunoglobulin, uh, thyroglobulin. Those are all different things that you can look at. Um, but also I think it's important just speaking about laboratory testing, it's important for women to have also their ferritin checked. I forgot to mention that. Have your ferritin checked, your iron stores, um, before pregnancy and then after, because a lot of symptoms, like if someone came in and they're complaining of fatigue, you know, that can be numerous things, including low iron. Um, it might not be your thyroid. And so often when I test TSH, I'll also test ferritin and, and also look at B12. You don't have to necessarily go to your GP. You can have all this stuff done with your naturopathic doctor and they can order this laboratory testing for you. Okay, last question for you. Let's do a supplement roundup. What are your favorite hormone balancing supplements? And then let's also mention some lifestyle habits that are key in this whole conversation too. I kind of mentioned some before, but I'll mention them again. So I love Chase Tree. I love Tribulus. I love Blue and Black Cohosh, Angelica. Uh, Shadavari, there's lots of really amazing herbs that will help with hormonal balance. Um, there's also herbs that, you know, will help regulate and tonify the uterus after birth and um, some really great herbs um, that I use just to help women lactate because it's not just about progesterone and estrogen. Um, it's also about, you know, if women are having trouble breastfeeding, there's really great, um, I always put together a tincture. Uh, called Mother's Helper, and it just is full of great herbs that help um, increase prolactin levels. And then um, I love Chinese medicine, acupuncture. And then when it comes to lifestyle, um, again, just fruits and vegetables, like things like cruciferous vegetables and like broccoli and cabbage and all those things that have high levels of indole-3-carbinol and DIM. Another thing that's so important, and I didn't really touch on it much, but uh, fat cells can um, secrete estrogen, and so it's very important when you're talking about lifestyle factors that we exercise. And you know, a lot of women um, may not lift weights, but lifting weights so that you you have healthy, lean body mass, and um, just yeah, keeping a healthy body composition is so important for hormonal balance. Can you exercise too much, and then that affects your hormones? Yes, that is definitely a factor. Um, oh, and I also want to mention sleep and keeping your stress levels down. That's very important for hormonal balance. Um, but just getting back to what you were saying there, Anita. Yeah, you can, because when you exercise really hard, your body uh, produces cortisol, which again is your stress hormone, which can then just lead to this whole cascade of I'm trying to lose weight. I can't lose weight. Why am I not losing weight? Look, I'm working out so hard. Well, if cortisol is a factor for you um, and your adrenals are already taxed, then working out like a crazy person is just making the situation worse. So it's hard sometimes to convince patients who want so badly to lose weight and they're very stressed out and to try to convince them to exercise less or to exercise smarter. Um, and that sometimes makes all the difference for people. Final note on that, just always recognizing that a healthy body composition doesn't look like any particular body for, um, for all of us. And it can look like many different things and feel like many different things in your own body. So key to keep in mind postpartum for sure. A hundred percent. And that's where it comes back really to the individual, sorry, individualization, right? Like what is right for you may not be what's right for your neighbor and that's okay. And, you know, um, I just think that women, we put so much pressure on ourselves and uh, we really need to foster the self-love and the self-compassion 
through any time in our life. So thank you so much, um, Mariska, for coming on again to the podcast. And I'm sure we will be having you on again. We have a list of topics um, that we definitely need to talk to naturopathic doctors about. So thank you so much for your time. And I'm sure all the listeners are thanking you as well. Thanks so much for having me, guys. On the next episode, we are rounding up listener questions. We are talking all about pelvic organ prolapse, what to look for when choosing a pelvic health physio to work with prenatally or postnatally, relaxation techniques during labor, and also some nutrition strategies for busy breastfeeding moms. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 